Merry Christmas to you all. Those of us who got lumps of coal in our stockings are meeting this afternoon for a barbecue. <laughs> so bring your lump and come. It is good to see all of you here this day. and trust that you've had a wonderful holiday so far with your families and friends. And I'm glad that that can continue a little later on today. If we were, if the restaurants were open, open today and if we could race the other churches, I think we might win. But I don't think much is open today, is it? A couple of quick announcements. One is that the Sunday night programs for children and adults uh, will resume two weeks from today on the 8th of January. Uh, if you're interested in leading an adult Bible study, please let Katie uh, Jeter or Cindy Davis know as soon as possible. But that's two weeks from today. We won't have any activities this evening at our church. Um, other announcements that are in your bulletin, I hope that you will see as you uh, have the opportunity to do so. And uh, we had a little bit of a fright last night. Glad to be able to report to you that uh, Eric uh, Four is okay. He uh, if you run five miles a day and swim two miles a day like he does and don't rehydrate, you just might pass out when you get sitting down in church and get uh, comfortable. I don't know, but I'm glad he's, he's doing well. We were very concerned last night, and lots of prayers were offered. But Anyway, let us uh, now begin our time together in worship.
Confession of Faith is uh, found on page 881, the Apostles' Creed. Let us unite in this historic confession of the Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended in heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Be seated, please. At this time, we invite the children to come forward to join Sylvia Dobson for a few moments of sharing. Christmas. Happy birthday, Noah. That's your birthday card. I know. You're very special to have a birthday on the same day as you. You're five now. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> okay, it's here. It's finally here. Christmas is here. And um, I wanted us to think about this morning some of the things that we did to get ready for Christmas. Did anybody put an ornament on your tree? You did? You decorated your tree. I have another one here. Here's another one. Did anybody make or eat any special candy for Christmas? You did. Yes, I did. What about Christmas cookies? Oh, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, did anybody give a present? You did. Did anybody get a present? You did. Was that fun? <laughs> really? Oh, that's exciting. Okay, so we've done all kind of fun things. Did you go to a special Christmas party? Did you have one at school? Did you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, is anybody going to eat something special for either lunch at dinner today or dinner tonight? Are you? Yeah, all of that special. Have I left anything out? Whose birthday is it today besides Noah's? Jesus' birthday. Yes, today is Jesus' birthday. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And she, meaning Mary, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And what did she name her baby? Jesus. That's right. And um, at this time of the year when we're so busy decorating our trees and making 
uh, Christmas cookies and uh, wrapping presents, it's easy for us to forget what the real meaning of Christmas is. And Jesus is the real meaning of Christmas. God sent Jesus into our world to um, show us God's love and to prepare a way for salvation for us. But sometimes we forget that part because we're so busy. And that reminds me of a story of a little boy that I wanted to share with you. This little boy really wanted to see Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on TV. He had never, ever seen it before. And he was so excited about it coming on. And his mother did all kind of things to prepare him for it. She um, uh, read him the story, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and he loved it. She made uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer sugar cookies, and he loved that. And they even made a little construction art project. And it turned out like this, except my antlers are flopping. But it looked like this, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And he had so much fun making his construction reindeer. She even bought him a stuffed reindeer and gave it to him. And he was so excited. And finally, the day came when Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was going to be on TV that night at 8 o'clock. All day, Mom kept saying, don't you want to take a little nap so you, you know, be good to go tonight at 8 o'clock? And he said, no, I don't need a nap. I don't need a nap. And he was so excited. So he got his bath, he put on his Christmas jammies, he got his stuffed Rudolph, and he got on the couch, and at 8 o'clock, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer came on. And he loved it. He was watching every minute of it. But he only got to see 10 minutes of it. You know why? He fell asleep. He missed the whole rest of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And, you know, that can happen to us, like I said, if we're not careful. We can be like that little boy, and we can get so caught up in the celebration and the decorations and the gifts that we miss the real Christmas, the birthday of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the reason for Christmas, and he came here to teach us about God's love and salvation. And one thing about it, Jesus is always with us, always with us. Um, one thing about the Christmas decorations, you know, in a couple of days or a few days, we'll take them down and put them away, and all of our Christmas cookies will be eaten, and they'll be gone, and maybe even that favorite toy that you got from Santa this morning or you got from uh, one of your loved ones, it might break, or we might lose it, and we won't have it anymore, but Jesus will always be with us. Matthew 28, verse 20 says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So it's very important for us to remember what Christmas is really about. Um, after we say our prayer, I have a handout that I want you to color. I want you to take it home and put it somewhere special, either on your refrigerator or somewhere in your room. And I want you to remember this all year long, that Jesus is always with us. He will never, ever leave us. Let's bow our heads. Dear Jesus, it's your birthday. We pray that we won't get so caught up in the celebration that we miss the real Christmas. Thank you for your son, Jesus. In thy name we pray. Amen.
Our Old Testament lesson is Hebrews chapter 1. I'll try again. Isaiah. That's New Testament. Our Old Testament lesson, Isaiah 52, verses 7 through 10. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is Psalm 98. It's in your hymnal on page 818. I invite you to turn to that page and stand as you're able as we share this passage responsibly. <clears throat> oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for the Lord has done marvelous things. God's right hand and holy arm have gotten the victory. The Lord has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, who comes to judge the earth. The Lord will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with Epistle reading is Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. 
After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Here ends the lesson.
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. We're reminded, O oh Lord, by our children this morning of the excitement of Christmas morning and reciting the gifts that they have received. And like those children, we come today to recite the gift that we receive, that we value the most, and that is the gift of the Christ child for us. We're so thankful for that gift from your heart and from your presence to us. We're thankful as we remember how people wondered about your love and your nature and your patience and your willingness to suffer so long with people who turn away from you. And yet we see that you send to us a fragile infant, yourself in baby form, to say to us that your patience for us never runs out, that your love for us endures forever, and that you came to live in the neighborhood with us so that we might see with our own eyes and hear with our own ears what God would speak to us and tell us about yourself and about life. We are sorry, Lord, that when Jesus came here, he met a hostile reception his whole life. And indeed, we know that in some ways in today's world, Jesus still meets with hostility. But we're grateful, we who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, who know what it is now to be called children of God, fellow heirs with Christ. We come celebrating, and we come welcoming, and we come to say that we're so thankful for your gift of Christ to us and for love, the love that that represents. Lord, we are mindful that there are many this day in our world who are hungry or lonely, are in times of grief. Some are living in times of war. We remember these, our brothers and sisters, who share the same heritage with us, descendants of the first man and woman, those for whom Christ has already come and died for. We pray that you would use us in our day and in our world as lights in the darkness. And may we be like Christ and find that our light that we live for Christ cannot be overcome or defeated by darkness ever. These things we pray in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Let us now worship God by giving. <coughs> 
Once again, the, <clears throat> the choir and Jessica and Ann have outdone themselves. Uh, just getting here on Christmas morning, all of y'all, we appreciate that so very much. Our gospel lesson is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. I know this is a familiar poetic passage, but its beauty is... Uh, is unsurpassed in the scripture. I'll read it together for, uh, we'll read it together if you'd like to follow along in your pew Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not that light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children, born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here ends the lesson. One of the things that fuels the fires of genealogists is our desire to know where we came from. Who were our ancestors and what were their lives like? Last year I found some legal documents, some land deeds over in Spartanburg County, signed by my great-great-grandfather, Claiborne Holt, who, interestingly enough, spelled his name capital X. That's also how my great-grandfather, Hugh Holt, uh, spelled his name, with a capital X. So you see, not only am I illiterate, I come from a very long line of very proud illiterates. Most of my farmers back in those days were farmers. Uh, most of my ancestors were farmers. But a few of them labored in a business known as coopers. That is, they made barrels. Now, I'm not sure what uses for barrels there are. I found one when I was in college. <clears throat> Didn't spend much time with kegs, but that's where your barrels come from. Uh, but the Christmas story is, is the answer of the gospel writers as to the question, where did Jesus come from? Matthew answers that Jesus came from a line of people, a kingly line, uh, that traced their ancestry back from uh, Abraham to David to Joseph. 
Luke answered that Jesus came from the usual and ordinary lineage, Adam and Eve, saying that Jesus was truly human, one of us. But John tells us another story about Jesus' beginnings, saying that he really didn't have a beginning because since he was God, he always has existed. John claims that Jesus was there with God and that he was God at the very beginning of all things. This understanding of Jesus is what gave rise to the classical doctrines of the pre-existence of Jesus and to the doctrine of the Trinity as well that took about four centuries to come together. To say that Jesus existed before his birth is another way of our saying that although Jesus was very much like us according to his humanity, he was quite different from us because of his divine heritage. As far as you and I know, we did not exist prior to our own births here on earth. Birth, therefore, is our beginning. But John tells us that Jesus existed in heaven before he came to earth. There never was a time when he did not exist. Through the universe, Christ, uh, through Christ, that is, the universe was created. Christ, the light bearer who lights our path, the light giver who gives life to our meaningful existence, has come to be with us, giving us provenient grace, whereby we are able to respond to God's loving call for us to return to him. He is the word of God, the logos, the full expression of Almighty God. It's a good thing whenever you hear someone refer to Jesus as the Word of God that you remember that first and foremost, that's a title for Jesus. He is God's Word to us. The written Word, the Bible, bears witness to Jesus, and only in that sense can it be referred to as the Word of God. But when we refer to the Word of God, we're primarily speaking about God's expression of himself, and that brings us to Jesus. Dr. Hofler of the seminary that I attended wrote that no English word can convey the rich and full meaning of John's use of the word logos. To the Greeks, that word meant all logical and meaningful thought. It was that which gave order and shape to the very process of thinking it was the divine system by which the very structure of the universe existed. To the Jews, the word logos meant the means by which God created the world and communicates with people. It was the expression of his relationship to creation and to God's people. For John, the word word meant even more. It was the means not only of God's creative power, and his communication with his people, but the means by which he gave himself to us. The whole of our Lord's being becomes the self-utterance and the self-giving of God. S.D. Gordon explains it this way, Jesus is God spelling himself out in a language that people can understand. When the ancient rabbis were asked what existed before God spoke creation into existence, 
Their answer was God's silence. Silence was also a symbol to the Greeks of the mystery of God. So Jesus was God breaking that silence, removing the shroud of mystery that covered him. In 110 AD, a bishop of the early church named Ignatius was arrested and ordered to be executed by being thrown to the wild beasts in the Roman arena. Silence fell on the crowd as he was led into the arena. And in that moment of utter silence, Bishop Ignatius yelled out to the people, Jesus Christ is the word of God, which has come forth out of the silence of God. In Jesus' birth, God was breaking the silence revealing himself, coming out of hiding. In Christ, God was fully expressing himself to us. And that really is what John meant for us to understand by his use of the word, word. Then John tells us that the word became flesh and dwelled among us. The classical doctrine that expresses this idea is known as the doctrine of the incarnation, the enfleshing of God. The incarnation says that Jesus is none other than God in human flesh. The Christmas story tells us that God so loved the world that he was content, or rather he was not content to love us from afar. He wanted to move into the neighborhood with us. Hallmark cards tells us that their cards are the ones to be used when you care to send the very best one of my favorite professors in seminary used to tell us, God didn't care enough to send us a Hallmark card. He cared enough to come in person. He came to share life with us, to move into our neighborhood, to share our joys and our sorrows, our pleasures and our pains, our lives and our deaths. He wanted to share his life with us also, his grace, love, and his gift of eternal life. In his book, If God is in Charge, Stephen Brown writes, I believe God entered time and space to make a nonverbal statement. He didn't come to keep us from suffering. He came to suffer as we also must suffer. He didn't come just to keep us from being afraid. He came to be afraid as we are afraid. He didn't come just to keep us from dying. He came to die as we must die. He didn't come to keep us from being tempted. He came to be tempted as we are tempted. This is what God has done for us in Christ. He has given himself to us and come to be with us. More than anything else, God wanted us to know from direct experience that he loved us with his parental love until you and I experience love personally, it's just a theory, a nice idea. The only way we can experience it is by discovering God's love living incarnate in another human being. God so incarnated himself in Jesus Christ that we might experience his love. 
Now the word or the term incarnational theology describes the truth that God's love must be fleshed out in somebody, some other human being, or you and I would never experience it. You and I, therefore, can become incarnations of God's love to others, allowing them to experience God's love through us so that they will know that God loves them. My uh, granddaddy's uncle, I guess that's my great-great-uncle, was an engineer on an old train, and looking one day on eBay, I found a book written by his son about him, Ambassador on Rails. Uh, Uncle DJ, I met him when I guess I was 10 or 11, and he was up in his 90s. He was an interesting fella. Uh, was sitting on the porch there with us one day, and he was, he was in the middle of talking with me, and he said, you really need to read your Bible every day, and he slumped over. And I went in the house and said, Mama, come out here and see what's wrong with Uncle DJ. She says, he's just asleep. So I sat back down, and in about five minutes he said, because if you read your Bible every day, it'll make you strong. <laughs> just a little power nap there. But um, he, he drove a... Uh, a rail, he was an engineer of, of the rail car that went up and down from Spartanburg down toward Georgia. And uh, whenever he arrived at his destination, there were people waiting on him. Uh, and he would hold a church service, a revival service. He didn't have to go looking for people, they were looking for him. And uh, quite a colorful character who established churches all along his railroad uh, stops as he would be traveling in business. Uh, he was an incarnation of God's love in those various communities, especially among those who worked in the railroad industry in those days. He was one of them. How important that is. God has declared his love for all of his children, and therefore we are to love them also. Anyone that God loves ought to be loved by us also. Boy Scout helped a nun across a busy street, and the nun, dressed in her traditional black attire, thanked the young man, and he responded to her that thanks was not necessary because any friend of Batman's was a friend of his. <laughs> any friend of God is a friend of mine, and Jesus came to make us all his friends. We are therefore to be incarnations of God's love to one another. I'm going to tell you, depart from what I plan to say, to say a little bit of a crazy story. One of the things that our son did for Penny and me just before he left us and got married and moved up north was to bring us his leftover kittens. My son is a cat rescuer, and he married a gal who's allergic to cats, and so guess where his kittens got left? Now, one of those cats was raised in uh, a dorm-like situation at USC. Uh, Animal House didn't have it much over the room that my son had with his buddies down there at USC. So this poor kitty needed a psychiatrist really bad when he came to us. Uh, the way he lets us know, or the way he used to let me know that he was hungry was he'd come up and bite me on the leg. Just a joy. We finally found a way to communicate with this little animal. He loved to sit in a chair and look out at squirrels and birds, and he paws the window and cries. One day, just on the spur of the moment, I sat in the chair beside this wild cat, 
and I looked out at the squirrels and I meowed. I've got a good meow. And I scratched that window and he looked at me like, you understand. And he purred and came over and he sat in my lap. And he's been a lap kitty ever since. And Penny's had her own thing. She's been working with this wild animal trying to tame him and he's, he's gotten pretty tame now. We had to get down on his level. God was in Christ getting down on your level. Getting down to where you are. Saying to you, whatever it is you're living through and going through, I understand and I am with you. Jesus comes to his own. Unfortunately, his own don't always receive him or welcome him. And some have said that's the saddest verse in the entire Bible. But the good news is that to those who do receive him, who recognize that he comes down to our level, who recognize him as our Savior and the Word of God to us, to us, God has given the power to become God's children New creatures with a new inheritance and a new pedigree. No longer are we limited by the skeletons in our closets or from our old pedigree. We have a new heritage now as God's children. We can become what we have never been, for we have a new inheritance. There are new possibilities, new life for us in Christ, because all all because of the word which spoke the world into existence has become flesh and come down to our level. He has moved into our neighborhoods and he still dwells among us. Amen.